Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope that this message will both teach and encourage you. Here's today's message. All right, and we're off to the races. Well, at least some of the guys are. I hope as many as possible will meet. Ron, let's rendezvous out there at the dirt track and uh, have us a time. I'm planning on getting there around 7. The race starts at 8, and so I hope you're able to, to meet us. I'm looking around, and no, just in time, I, as the door opened, my heart was lifted. Um, I'm, I'm looking for Glorian Rodella. Is she in the nursery? Could somebody go and spell her for just a moment? Maybe David? <laughs> and here's what we would like to do. Tomorrow, for many of us, starts school. And uh, talk about being in the crossfire. Have you noticed there's just a few controversies swirling right now in our society? I don't know if you've noticed, but we have uh, some divisions threatening over masking, non-masking. Divisions threatening over vaccine, not vaccine human liberty and so on and so forth at the middle of that we have children who have been many of them out of school for a year and a half or more and now many schools are coming back in full in the class setting when these kids have been at home virtual other things and you know let's be honest there were kids who were virtually absent from school for a year and a half okay and so and so we have in our congregation, we have, we have been just blessed with a cornucopia of educators. We have retired principals and counselors here and educators at all kinds of levels. And their heart, I'm sure there's a mixture. They miss the kids, but they're sitting there going, I'm glad I'm not still in the game. <laughs> Because this is going to be challenged with a capital C-H-A-L-L-E-N-G-E. And because I can spell that, you can thank a teacher. Right? <laughs> and so I want, there's four teachers, Gloria and Rodella. I just had to dispatch somebody because I didn't, that's my fault. I didn't let you know before you put down your guitar and headed back to serve. Gloria, if you'd come and stand up here, Valerie, if you'd come and stand up here, and then my wife, Tasha, if she would come, and then Jennifer Lemon, if you would come and stand right up here in front of the table. And right there in, uh, in front of the table. So this, this, at this moment, turn and face the congregation because I want you to see these special people. They are going, some of them still have some in-service training. Some of them are going to meet the wonderful children of different grade levels and different uh, skills and attention spans and with all kinds of challenges as if teaching wasn't difficult enough they just and they're still in the game would you give them a hand they are not quitting they have felt like waving the white flag they have felt like getting out of the game but there's something in the depths of their spirit that they believe that the Lord can use them in the life of a child I can think back and I know many of you can think back to those teachers that were instrumental in your life with encouragement and with some sternness and some direction and helped set you on a right path and uh, there's gratitude in my heart I can still I think name at least my kindergarten through 
sixth grade. After that, we began switching classes, and that was just really hard to track. Some of them were less memorable than others. But here we are, and we have an opportunity today to send forth from us as a congregation into a field of ministry, building bridges to parents and caring for their children, which automatically opens their heart, and feeling like they have an impossible task in front of them. But Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, the anointing that God has given me through the one who has strengthened me. And this is a worthy calling. This is a worthy function within our hearts and within our lives. And I'm just going to invite you, especially Becky and Paula and Gloria, who have spent years in those trenches, I think they can stretch forth their hand with all of their heart. And let's join those that are amongst you, and let's just pray the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ upon these four. And let's do it together right now. Lord, we lift our hearts with thanksgiving to you. We thank you, Lord, for the, for the gift and calling of teacher, through the basic functions and learning how to function in, in our society learning how to read and to write, how to do math, how to think, how to think critically. And Lord, we're just praying right now. We're lifting them up. We're stretching forth our hand. We're joining our hearts with them. Some of us are just really glad we're not going into that battlefield tomorrow. We have a separate battlefield, but we're focused on this worthy place of teaching, shaping, informing, and touching these lives And Lord, we're just asking for your power and your presence to explode with grace events in their life that they will begin to detect times when you give them a word, you give them an insight, and your grace extends through them and touches the lives of of somebody, parents, children, that they can be touched for the kingdom of heaven. Help them to see above and beyond the mundane issues of every day and keep their eye on the prize and their eye upon the kingdom. We ask for your anointing, your enablement, an unusual touch of grace where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Where error abounds, grace does much more abound. Where darkness abounds, grace does much more abound. Where confusion abounds, grace does much more abound. And we speak that over them, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you give them a hand clap one more time? We celebrate you. And then if you'll turn and look on that table, there is a little gift. If nothing else, a handy-dandy satchel. And inside of that is a cup and something you can set on your desk to remember that we're praying for you. It's a, it's a neat little statuary there. There's a llama. There's two llamas. There's two birds. If you need to renegotiate your prizes out, you can do that later. But we just want to thank God for you and give you a little memento. Sit on your desk so that when you're eating that soup or taking in that nutrition in that five minutes that you have, that you have something to have a hot meal and you have something to remember us by. Isn't that great? Amen. Amen. One more hand. There you go. All right, now we get to move forward into, I think, part number five. Yeah, part number five. This is stretched back to, I think, May or June. Just here and there, we've been hitting. See it. 
it. I think the end's the book of Revelation. And we're only in the book of Acts. Well, Jesus tarries his coming. We'll end up preaching our way all the way back to that book of Revelation again. But here we are picking up something powerful that we find in the book of Acts. One day at 3 o'clock, and we just want to reconnect with this idea. This is good. Adults learn by repeating. And so uh, I'm, I'm happy to repeat myself. Consecration, devotion, addiction. Mix those words together. They're synonyms. This leads to something powerful. When we consecrate ourselves, when we give ourselves wholly, when we completely devote ourselves, when we become addicted to the things of God, the world may call us a fanatic, but, but Jesus calls us effective. How do you like that one? Let's make a bumper sticker. The world may call me a fanatic, but Jesus calls me effective. Now here is the four features of the best addiction, that we addict ourselves to the doctrine of Jesus as taught by the disciples. We'll find that in the New Testament, won't we? Fellowship, when we spend time together building one another up and encouraging one another in the faith. Guess what we're doing this morning? We're getting to hear some doctrine. We're getting to enjoy some fellowship. Then we're breaking bread. At the very least, we had communion, but they often had that in the context of meeting in homes, following or as part of a meal together where they fellowshiped breaking bread and prayer. That powerful aspect of prayer because when we pray, we humble ourselves, we connect ourselves in thanksgiving and praise before the Lord. We open ourselves up to a two-way conversation between us and the King of glory. And don't you know that you change and circumstances change around you when you pray. And I'm so glad that Jesus used those words in the sixth, fifth and sixth chapter of Matthew. He says, when you pray, and how many of you know that you can raise your prayer life to a whole new level when you fast? And there are some things that do not get accomplished, certainly do not get accomplished through prayer. There's other things that require that dynamic duo of fasting and prayer in order to bring a breakthrough. And what we're looking for when we say breakthrough is another way that I've phrased it as, we've, as I've been preaching on this subject, and that is this, grace events. Grace events happen as a result of alignment and action, so we need to take advantage of them. God grants grace. Grace events, what we need to do is respond, recognize them, respond to them, and here's the other thing, ride the wave. Get on that wave and ride it. Catch that momentum and go for it. And that's what I'm praying. I'm praying we here at Vision Church will recognize the grace events that God puts in our lives, what he puts in our lives as a collective congregation, and that we ride that wave, that momentum of grace. Do you know what that used to be called? Renewal and revival. That's what that was. And somebody would say, we had an extended revival at our church. What happened? They caught the wave. They rode the wave. They moved from one event to another. They went from grace to grace. And some churches got on that wave and they just never got off. There's churches around the world that found the wave, found the momentum, found the grace, and they just didn't make it a one event. They stretched it into a daily thing, into a weekly thing, a yearly thing, and they have found themselves in the midst of God's grace events as a matter of lifestyle. How many of you want that kind of lifestyle? 
Amen. A lot of people making lifestyle choices. I'm going to encourage you this morning to make this lifestyle choice. In my life and in the life of my church, we will catch the grace events. We will see them and we will connect to them and we're going to ride the wave. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's ride the wave. Okay, anyway. That's a bad song because its title is Wipeout. No, we don't, we don't want to do that. Walking in grace requires wisdom and courage. Wisdom and courage to walk out in grace. To simply have an encounter, faith can surface, bam, grace can happen. But here's what we want to do. We want to walk in grace. And in order to do that, to perpetuate that, we need wisdom and courage. And so we're going to look at Acts chapter 4. And we're going to move from 18 right on through, and we're going to look at uh, four things that we're going to pull out of that passage. Now, remember that they had a showdown in the temple. A man had been healed. People were running through the temple and praising God. That man had been running through the temple and praising God. Now he was hanging on to Peter and John, and people were coming from all around. And what was Peter doing? Riding the wave. He seized that opportunity and he began to proclaim Jesus Christ, him crucified, raised by God from the dead, and that salvation had been granted to them, that which they had been praying about in their three o'clock daily prayer meeting. That, that, that answer had exploded upon them and they hadn't even realized it. And so then they called them in again. Who's they? This is the Sanhedrin. These are the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. They're the ones who are in charge of the temple, and they have been called to the principal's office. I needed to say that since we're commemorating teachers today. They, they then called them in again. Now, how many of you have you been ever been positively called to the principal's office? What does that mean? He wants to tell you that you're going to be commended for something, you're going to get an award, and so you're brought down to the principal's office not to face the music, but to hear the good news. Then there's others of us who were experienced at being called to the principal's office because of some misbehavior. Now, if you get called down once for misbehavior, don't make it the second time. Learn from that. But I used to sit there at my desk and watch certain students in my elementary and then later junior high school make that trudging death walk all the way down the linoleum floor down to the principal's office. Why? They just didn't get it. They just didn't understand. They just were stubborn. And so then they called them in again. The disciples are in trouble, and they're in trouble deep and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Wow. Can you imagine that? Okay, we're going to let you go, but don't preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. How many of you know the enemy wants to shut you down? The enemy says, I'll let you live, but I won't let you speak of life. I'll let you live, but I won't let you talk about Jesus 
the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. This is the very reason that they draw their breath. They have walked with Jesus. They have messed up. They have fumbled the ball, and they have found the recovery in Jesus, and now they have been empowered with the Spirit. And listen to what Peter and John replied. They were together in the miracle. Now what's important? When the pressure's on, we've got to stay together, don't we? How many of you notice the pressure's on in the world? And the great challenge for us as a congregation and for every congregation across the fruited plain of the United States of America is to stay together under the pressure. Don't let the pressure in the society seep into your heart and begin to drive the wedges that are occurring within the society. These are perilous times that we're in. But they're the best of times. They're an opportunity for us to unify around the greatest cause that has ever been given to men. And Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. Isn't that amazing? You be the judges. One of the worst things that can happen amongst believers is when they judge one another. And they judge each other harshly without mercy without compassion and that's the spirit that is in our world today have you seen the judgmentalism have you seen the calling for people to be thrown into camps or to be removed from society what's going on judgment anger on the freeway resulting in gunfire what is that judgment it's a spirit of judgment that's amongst humanity it's unrighteous judgment and here's what they do they say look Which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. How freeing is it to resist the tendency to judge? To let someone else become the judge? They said, we don't have time for that. We don't have time to have that argument. He goes on and says this, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. I love the statement that says, a person with a testimony is never at the disadvantage with a person with an argument. Think about that. When somebody says, the sun doesn't come up at 6.40 in the morning on this date in the summer, you can say, well, I was up at 6.40, and I looked, and I saw the sun come up. Somebody who simply wants to make the argument has nothing to say to the person who says, here's the pictures. I was there. I'm an eyewitness. And they said, you can have a discussion if you want, and you can argue if you want. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. You know, Jesus was somebody who was mighty in word and deed. We forget about that sometimes. I don't know about you, but I want to be a word person. Don't I want to be a person of the word. I want to know what Jesus said. But that's not enough. I also want to know what was recorded about what he did. And I want to hear these words that appear in this very book at the beginning, that which Jesus both began to say and do. What he began. Why? Because he's still acting through his church. He's still wanting to act through us, which means we have something to say and we have something to do. What did Peter and John do? They connected with that. And they said, we have something to say, we have something to do. Now, they had been empowered by the Spirit and were a part of a miracle. Then what do they do? 
they begin to say. They begin to speak about what they have both seen and heard. What a great testimony. What does that tell us? God's grace events are designed to furnish examples and force them to judge. Do you know what the Lord wants to do at Vision Church? He wants things to happen here that cause the neighbors to judge. He wants things to happen here in people's lives that cause people who are eyewitnesses of their life to say, something's different. They need to look at us and say, something's changed. Something, you have a piece about you that I don't have. There's, there's things that are going on, or you used to be sickly and now you're whole. You used to have cancer and now you're healed. You used to be on the death's door and now you are the picture of life. How many of you know he still wants to do physical healing? Give the Lord a hand clap if you believe that. Why does he want to do these physical things in our life? Because there are people that all they can do is judge by physical things. And so he wants us to act in such a way, do things, and be a part of his grace so that it surfaces in a grace event so that people can look at us and they may say, those people are strange, those people are weird, those people are fanatics. But they also need to be able to say, there's something going on there. And it seems like heaven is touching the earth. Those same people need to look at your life and my life one-on-one, individually, as we're living our life and going about the everyday tasks of life, as we're working, as we're being educated or educating, wherever we may find ourselves, and that God wants to do some grace events in your life with a touch upon other people's lives, as simple as a gift or a gift of kindness, an act of kindness, or some activity of mercy. He may want to do a miracle that you pray for them and something spectacular happens. Everybody say spectacular. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for some spectacular things. And the small things are not the enemy of the spectacular, and the spectacular is not the enemy of the small things. And so he's wanting to furnish them examples so that they have to judge. God wants them to judge. He wants them to see it and say, this is unusual. This is different. This is unique. What's going on here? Could you give me more evidence? Could we have a conversation and talk about this? Because I want to know what's going on. And you can hear the Holy Spirit say, gotcha. (laughs) Gotcha. Let's move on. After further threats, they let them go. How many of you know that sticks and stones may break your bones, but words of threats will never hurt you? Right. <laughs> After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them. They judged them, but couldn't punish them. Why? There's nothing that confounds people more than when you do something good that riles them. What can we say? He blessed me. She blessed me. She did this out of kindness. It made me feel bad because I hadn't thought of it. And so for that, I'm ticked off. But still, what can I really do about that? I'm sitting in judgment on them, but how can I punish them for a good deed? Now, some of you live in a situation where you feel like no good deed goes unpunished, right? (laughs) I see some of you are suppressing some laughter, saying, boy, he knows where I'm living. It says, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide to punish them. Listen to this. Because all the people were praising God for what happened. 
what was the supposed objective of the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees? If nothing else, there was one thing they could agree on. Give God the praise. When they would bring somebody in and question them, the first phrase they would use with them was, give God the praise. It was a, a, a phrase that basically said, don't play us for fools and don't play a God for a fool. We need to hear the truth. To give God the praise went simply to speak the truth in our midst. Because all the people were praising God for what had happened. Do you notice that they're not praising Peter and they're not praising John? Do you know that they're not starting a new cult of worship for John and Peter? What are they doing? They're making the connection between their prayer meeting at 3 o'clock that was praying and saying, God, heal us and we'll be healed. Deliver us and we'll be delivered. And seeing right in front of them in that temple the answer to that prayer. And what do they do? Praise God. Hallelujah. In fact, we borrow that term directly from the Hebrews. Hallelujah. Praise to God. All praise to God for what had happened for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Wow. He's a man. He's a full-grown man, and he has lived with this, and we've watched him for 40 years. And how many of you know that 40 is like the perfect testing? They've watched the, seat, the test bed, and here's a man who had been for most of his life, for some great period of time, they had been eyewitnesses to his paralysis but now they are eyewitnesses to his complete and full recovery give the lord a hand clap of praise you see even judges that are not born again can put two and two together and say something's going on here i'm going to praise the lord grace events have a way of confounding judgment and moving towards release now, as I was studying for this, I feel like I, the Lord just dropped a nugget in my heart, and I'm going to subject this to you, and you can receive it or not. You say, yeah, I think that was the Lord, or you can sit there and say, the Scripture's the Lord, but I'm not sure his conclusion on that was good. And that's fine. I want you to be a Berean and test that. But I've often asked the question, why did Jesus remain silent when he was questioned? Do you ever ask that question of yourself? Some of you said, for 30 years, this has been vexing my soul. I may get, you may get a release this morning. This may answer your question. I've, I've sat there and said, why was he dumb? Led as a sheep, dumb before its shears. Why did he not open his mouth? When I was a 12-year-old boy studying and studying and reading and studying, I was always frustrated by that because I wanted Jesus to be the superhero that went in, killed Pilate, and took out the chief priests and scribes and Pharisees. I wanted him to act like a Superman or a Spider-Man or Batman. He had more than one Robin, right? And I used to get frustrated with that. I don't know, maybe I'm just the weird kid in the room. I usually am, and I, I, I can understand that. Why did he not open his mouth? Because such wisdom was in Jesus that if he would have opened his mouth and reasoned with them from the scriptures, they would have backed off. Or it would have invoked such judgment upon them that there would have been no hope for their salvation. What did he do? He kept silent. 
He did not need to exonerate himself before these judges. God wanted them to be eyewitnesses, and he want, God wanted them to judge him because this is what was going to move, normally moves people towards release. Jesus had to be silent so he would remain in that position. Why? Because love took him to the cross, and he knew this. I must suffer and die for Doug and for Matt and for Cindy and for Tasha and Steve and Dave. And I have to name the whole room or some of you are going to feel left out. I must go to the cross and take unjustly upon myself their just punishment and sin. Because if I'll take their punishment for their sin, they get off scot-free, they can be called a son, a daughter of God, and we have all eternity to celebrate in the presence of the Lord. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Aren't you so thankful for that? I'm so glad Jesus stayed silent so that he could take on my sin. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Now, what would be your temptation and my temptation, honestly, if we just got all of this noise from the leaders of the temple after the healing of a man who was paralyzed? We would have said, those miserable souls... May fire come down from heaven and burn them alive. No, that's not how they pray. You know why they don't pray that way? Because they've been with Jesus for three years. Because they're anointed with the Holy Spirit and they're connected to the mission of Jesus and they come in and they lift their voices in prayer to God. Listen to this prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them so you can destroy these enemies of ours. No, they don't say that. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. What's happening here? They're willing to let them off the hook because they're in the perfect place. They're in the place of judgment where they get to watch grace events and one of those grace events can be could turn something in their heart, and they can suddenly have a breakthrough into grace rather than into judgment. Isn't that awesome? They begin to pray to the Lord, and they lay out the case. They lay out the facts. Had they done that? Yes. Had they rejected him? Yes. So here's notice this. Grace events reveal the highest authority and make the case for trusting him. When John and James were named the sons of thunder because they wanted to destroy a village who rejected Jesus, Jesus put that tag on them to remind them the rest of their life. I haven't come to here to destroy people. I've come here to save them. I've come to put them in the judgment seat even against me so that when they're confronted with righteousness and justice and goodness and the mercies of God, that they will something will catch in them, something will melt in them, something will move in them. 
Later on in the book of Acts, I love when I catch this little phrase, if you're not careful, you almost jump past it and don't see it. And it says, and there were a great number of priests who became obedient to the faith. How did that happen? This grace event echoed in their hearts, echoed in their spirits. They watched and judged those disciples. They sat in judgment upon these followers of Jesus, and something happened in their heart that grace broke through one day, and they said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ of God. He is the Savior of Israel, and we rejected him and saw him crucified, but he is the one who has stood in the gap for us. He is our eternal sacrifice, and once and for all, he has suffered for all of our sins, and we now receive him as Messiah. Would you give the Lord a hand clap? Powerful moment because of this grace event that revealed this highest authority of God and made a case for trusting him. Do you notice that God doesn't reveal his authority and demand that you trust him? God hides his authority and then challenges you to judge him until you find him innocent. Wow. Do you know there's a lot of people that are stuck in the quagmire and sin today because they sit in judgment upon God and they deem themselves more righteous than he But there comes a breakthrough when they see the real grace of God, the real heart of God, the love of God, the compassion of God, the seeking of God, the God who has humbled himself and hidden himself and he's become just like us so that we could relate to him. Wow. One more. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. What do they do? They double down. Lord, help us to do more things to get in trouble with the authorities. Hello? Now, how many of you have ever prayed that one? Man, that was pretty tight. That was pretty tough. Man, we almost had off with your heads. Yeah, let's go back and do it again tomorrow. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand. Listen to this and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus how many of you just want to pray that prayer right now I need to see a grace explosion we need to see a grace explosion and after they prayed by the way this is a hint that they prayed according to the will of the father ready the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Wow. No more hiding in the corner. We've been put on the hot seat, and here's our prayer. More hot seats, Lord. More difficult run-ins and more difficult encounters because what it does is it puts your grace on the seat of judgment in front of them, and they have to contend with you and I'm just going to get out of the way. I'm going to love them. I'm going to be good to them. I'm going to be kind to them. My objective, Lord, is going to be to kill them with kindness. I'm going to pray for my enemies. I'm going to bless my enemies. I'm going to offer them water. I'm going to do whatever I can to bless them and help them. And know what it's going to do, Lord? It's going to put you on the hot seat, and they're going to have to judge you. And when they do, they're going to have to contend with you. And how many of you know they're no match for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? They're just no match for that anointing and for that grace. Grace events open the door 
to more grace events? How many of you just want more? Let's not let our salvation be the big grace event of our life back there in the past sometime. But how many of you know that he loves to press down, shake together, run over? He loves to give. He loves to pour into our life with amazing grace. And so I'm going to ask Tasha to come as she's going to lead us in some worship. But we have an opportunity to respond and to encounter grace and to cry out to the Lord and to find a place of prayer, turn around, seated where we're at, and just take as she sings through these next two songs that speak of grace. Grace events open the door to more grace events. And here's the question we can ask. How can we shift from judge to participant? What happens in a church when people begin to judge what's happening in the church that are believers instead of participating in what's happening? It blows it up. Unbelievers should judge. Backslidden people, they should judge because they need to experience grace again. But the people who are born again and the people who love Jesus and the people who are filled with the Spirit, they're not interested in being judges. They get out of that seat and they say, I'm not here to judge. I'm here to be on the team. I'm here to join my voice in. I'm here to go step by step with you. I'm here to believe with you, trust with you, hope with you, pray with you, fellowship with you, teach with you, and receive with you. How can we welcome an event that destroys an argument? How many of you know there's a lot of arguments out there that need to be destroyed? Some of them in our heart and some of them in the hearts of people who are not born again. We need to have an event that destroys an argument. How can we trust God more? How can we move into a swarm of grace events? What happens when you get in a swarm of bees? Many bites. What happens when you get into a swarm of grace? Miracle after miracle after miracle. Transformation, change, step towards the Lord breakthrough revelation display of wisdom people being born again people being filled with the spirit people being touched by the grace of god miracles happening of all kinds and shapes and forms grace begins to explode in other people's lives and so that's a big question for me this morning how can we at vision church move into a swarm of grace events how can every one of us come back to church on Sunday and talk about how we got into a swarm of grace the week before? We don't have angry red welts on our body from the nasty sting of an insect. We have a joy in our heart and the word of a testimony that says, wait till you hear what I saw God do this week. What happens? How does, that, how does somebody get there? When they move from the seat of judgment to the seat of participation when they stopped running everything through the filter of, is that really the Lord or not, to, you know what, I'm with the Lord. <laughs> you guys can fight over it, and you guys can judge it, but as for us, we can't stop speaking of what we have seen and heard. That this Jesus, the Christ, he is the Son of God, he is my Savior, and he's still healing, still touching, and still delivering today. Amen? Amen. Honey, if you'd come and lead us. We have about 13, 12 minutes to spend in the presence of the Lord before we go today. Amen. Amen. If you'll stand with me. His grace is amazing.
Now, before we go, let's all stand to our feet. How many of you say, I need a grace event. I need a breakthrough. I need revival in my spirit. I need, I need something to change, something to move in my life, in the life of somebody in my family. I'm, I'm looking for that grace event. Maybe it's already happened and I just haven't seen it and I need the Holy Spirit to come and illuminate that and help me to see it. Open my eyes, to Lord, to see it. Help me to see what you're doing. Help me to recognize what you're doing. How many just slip up a hand and say, well, I'm needing some grace, Pastor. I'm needing a grace event. Keep that hand up real high. Lord, you see these hands all over this place, and you know the very unique grace that's needed in all the different categories and areas. Whatever's going on in our spirit, our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, in our physical body, whatever it is in the dynamics of our relationship, in our job situation, Lord, you know... We need a special grace, and this is not, you don't cookie-cutter it. You customize it. Lord, we're looking for a grace event. Open our eyes to see that which has already happened and to move us into a spirit of thanksgiving for what you've done. And Lord, open that door. Help me to believe. Help me not to sit in judgment and block the way. Help me to participate willingly and gladly and be ready to praise you and say, Lord, put me on the hot seat again. I love being on the hot seat rather than the judgment seat. I like to be in the seat of your grace rather than in the seat of judgment. I want to walk in grace. We as your church, Lord, want to see grace events a swarm break out in this place break out in this congregation break out in this meeting place where there's just uncommon grace and visitation of your holy spirit and we're saying yes to that and amen in jesus name and everybody said amen, amen. that says me too <laughs> well the lord's grace and peace be with you in abundance as you go today have a great day remember men if you're on your own get out there and buy your ticket if you're going to meet us at the dirt track at texas motor speedway we love to see you if it's just two of us if it's just be by myself and earplugs and that reminds me you need to bring some good earplugs because otherwise it will be a shattering experience the lord bless you as you go have a great day